What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Star Jobbers Podcast. I'm Cody. And I can smell what The Rock is cooking. I think a lot of people can smell what The Rock is cooking right now, and I think we might be getting a whiff of possibly the Tribal Chief facing The Rock at WrestleMania. Or Elimination Chamber. You think they'll do it? Elimination Chamber? I mean... They didn't. I mean, it could be anything. I mean, it could be before WrestleMania. It could be after WrestleMania. I don't. I don't. I don't think I don't, they're going to waste that on Elimination Chamber, though. I think they'll put that at WrestleMania. Well, I, I, maybe we should talk about this a little bit later because yeah. I think we could probably dig into this. Yeah, because uh, I agree. I think the key on this one is philosophy. Yeah, that's true. So but yeah. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching and thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is going to be our first ever video episode on our YouTube channel. And also, if you haven't followed us on social media, what are you doing? We've Stop. been here for a whole season. This is season two now. Stop being lame. Exactly. Go follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, we've got a YouTube channel. We've got coverage from our live events we went to, from uh, Solid Rock Championship Wrestling, uh, The Guardian's Legacy, and uh, Hope Championship Wrestling. So, But also, more events are going to be coming up. And we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But what we kind of wanted to do to start out the new season, to start out episode one, with the buzz that's going around about the Iron Claw, which if you haven't seen this movie, you've got to go see it. Great story. Great movie. I fantastic mean, acting. Everybody did a phenomenal job. Zac Efron did a wonderful job portraying uh, Kevin Von Erich. And then uh, I can't remember the other guy's name that played David. Um uh, Jeremy Allen yeah, White Jeremy played Carrie uh, Von Eric. Um, I, I, I don't know the names of the actors who played uh, David and Mike, but uh, I know that they're like semi well known, like rising up actors. I mean, it, this is a I mean pretty good. I mean, well produced cast. This was not a just you know, a list of nobodies. I mean, Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White by themselves were rock stars. Um, and then, you know, the, uh, was it Lily Allen was, yeah. was Pam, you know, the Pam Atkinson or Pam Von Eric. She was the wife of Kevin Von Eric. So, uh, you know, and A24 was the production company and they've, I mean, I don't know anything they've made recently that hasn't been a blockbuster smash. So exactly. This was just, I mean, great. I mean, great across the board. Just everything was done really, really well. I mean, you could nitpick a couple of things here and there, but overall, and we will. They did when we get into. They did it. a great job telling the story. And even if you're not a wrestling fan, you can go watch this movie, and it's going to move you. Exactly. So, what we thought that we would do for anybody that's listening or anybody that's listened to us from, from the beginning, and this is your first time getting into professional wrestling, or this is your first time having any kind of exposure to the business of professional wrestling, we thought that we would kind of do an in-depth look into the story of the Von Erics and how the tragedies that they've experienced came to fruition and all that went down. So that way, if you wanted to go see this movie, if it's still in theaters by the time you hear this, which I highly recommend you go see this movie, or whether it comes out on any streaming platforms, which I don't know if they've announced anything yet, but I'm sure they probably will at some point. I believe A24 has announced a partnership with uh, HBO Max. Okay. So um, I don't know if that means this one's going to get fast-tracked to the Max streaming app. Right. But essentially the product catalog for A24 Productions is going to be on Max sooner than later. So my guess is that when it is available for streaming, it'll be on Max first and probably at no cost. So, right. so yeah. If you haven't gotten a chance to go to the theaters and see this movie, definitely go check it out. But whenever it becomes available on any streaming platform, definitely go watch it at that point. But what we thought that we would do is kind of do like a moment in history segment, I guess you could say, but we wanted to talk about the Von Erics for this episode. So the Von Erics are one of, if not, I mean, so you can sit there and have a conversation about wrestling families. And if you wanted to say the top three wrestling families or top four wrestling families, the Von Erics are in that conversation, no matter what, I mean, no, you've no got question. the McMahons, you got the hearts, you got the hearts, and then you got the Von Erics, uh, you know, and yeah, I'm putting that before the roads. I'm putting yeah. that before the Grams, but I'll stand on that because at the end of the day, without world class, you don't have The Undertaker. You don't have Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, you don't have Booker T. You don't have a. You don't have the Ultimate Warrior. Like there's so many <laughs> that came through world class championship wrestling, but the Von Erichs were the staple. Devon, of that promotion. Von Erichs were wrestling in the state of Texas for for many many years, and before. 
wrestling went national and was syndicated, if you were in Texas and you watched wrestling, you were watching world class championship wrestling. And when the Von Ericks were on TV, that was that was your state star. Exactly. I mean, they were they were celebrities in the state of Texas. But to kind of start from the beginning, so the father of the family, Fritz Von Erich, was the one who was mainly have brought the family into wrestling because he was a very big heel real name, the 50s and 60s. Real name Jake Atkinson. Right. Atkinson. Changes his name uh, to his mother's uh, maternal name, which is Von Erich. And the reason he does this is uh, he's a heel, and he decides the best heel that he could possibly be during his time in the 50s and 60s was a Nazi. And the you could probably couldn't get any more hated than to be a Nazi. I, I, th- I think today that would still uh, yeah, be right, then. <laughs> right yeah. up at the top of the list of things you, you, you'd, you'd immediately get heat for. So he was Fritz Von Erich. It doesn't get more German than that. And exactly. The crowd did. They loved to hate Fritz Von Erich. Exactly. And so he developed the move, the Iron Claw, which if you haven't seen the move, is essentially, yeah, you basically take your thumb and pinky and grab the guy's head, but you're squeezing his temple as hard as you possibly can. Doesn't sound like it would hurt because all you're doing is just grabbing a guy's face. But you have one of the Von Erics put the iron claw on you, you're done. I mean, anybody you got somebody who can lift 300 pounds, somebody like a ranch hand like that who does nothing but tie barbed wire around posts all day long. Yeah, I would not that, want that, that iron claw can absolutely take you out. I mean, he's squeezing your temporal lobes. That is a that is a nerve hold. Yeah, and you know that he's got finger strength. I mean, that was something that they could probably lock in and legitimately take their opponents out with. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. And so they finally get into the uh, world class championship wrestling, build this promotion, and you have three main people in this family who are the stars well, of the family. Put aside, you have you have the three. They have the tag team of the Von Ericks, right? And individually, they were they were all doing work and you know that you don't see it so much in the movie but you know if you want to talk about the real story of it of course the, the big story with the von erics and the greatest rivalry with the von erics is the von erics versus the freebirds yes definitely and the von erics one Free- of the greatest matches that they had at uh, world class yeah and the von erics versus the freebirds is you know what really gets the the sons over like you had kevin who was wrestling as a singles competitor and then when you bring when they brought in David and Kerry, it was off to the it was off to the races, and those those were the matches that were doing really big work at the time uh, in the you know what do you want to call it mid seventies early eighties right and you know they went all you know that this is world class was of course part of the NWA but as uh, you know for those who don't know with territorial wrestling. The NWA was comprised of a board of people, and then you know some of those people are mentioned in the movie Iron Claw. They're not really stated. I'll say one thing about this movie: they don't go deep in the woods. So if if you don't know anything about the Von Erich story, I would encourage you to go online and learn uh, before going to see the movie. Because uh, you know the more you know, the more engaging the, t- the the subject matter is. One of the things that I did, and kind of just to refresh my memory on the story and everything, which I recommend you guys do this, is uh, go watch Dark Side of the Ring because they did an episode mm-hmm. on the Von Erichs, and it kind of tells the story of their history and all that went on in their family. So yeah, definitely freshen up on your history of the family and the uh, stories of everything, so that way you're more prepared going into this. So that way well, you're not totally blind. Yeah. And so, you know, going back to it, you know, WCCW is run by Fritz von Erich. And Fritz von Erich, and you can, it comes across in the movie very, very well, too, uh, is kind of a hard-to-work-with kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, and the NWA, like I said, it's, a, it's, a, it's comprised of a board of promoters. And they got together and decided, you know, based on ticket sales, based on merchandise sales, based on all these different factors here and there, work rate, you know, whatever – Let's also say that it was very political and at sometimes controversial. The NWA as a whole would decide who would be the champion. And now the champion would be contracted, even though it's regional and they'd go from territory to territory, the champion would be contracted with one of the promotions. So whoever had the star who had the title could have the championship title on every show they put out. Right. And that's guaranteed money. That's guaranteed your your ticket sales go up, you know, your TV sales go up, everything. And so Fritz's big obsession 
is to get the NWA title to world class. Right. Well, anybody who knows their history knows that the NWA title did not ever spend a lot of time in world class. The NWA title spent a lot of time, really, honestly, I mean, a lot of time in Jim Crockett. Exactly. You know, yeah. between between Flair and and Dusty and a couple others, and you know, it also spent time in the AWA. But the the president of the H of the NWA for many many years, Sam Muchnick, and that's you know, let's say it's a, it's a name that people don't know about nowadays. Right. But you know, go back to even the you know, go back to the the 1980s, and Sam Muchnick would have been a household name in professional wrestling. So um, you know, it's one of those like, in, in the story. There's just a lot. There's a lot. Of, it's there's a lot of name dropping, but without telling you who the name is so yeah, it's exactly. you know for those of us who are very inside baseball it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch and, and see little easter eggs in the movie but uh for people who are not really keen to the wrestling scene it's still a great movie it's easily watchable but there's there's going to be a lot of little stuff you miss not any major plot points but you know those finer details exactly and so at the end of the you know i'll, I'll can it back over to you here but you know like so that the core idea of this is that fritz von eric's obsession is getting the NWA title to world class and having world class being you know perceived as the greatest promotion of all. Right. And the Von Erichs as the greatest wrestling family of all. Absolutely. So to kind of uh, introduce you guys to the family and tell you who everybody was. So Kerry was, I guess you could say, he was the star who had like the looks, he had the charisma, everything. And eventually he went on to WWF and had a short run there. The Texas but, Tornado. Exactly. Like, dropped the Von Erich name. Was mainly known as the Texas Tornado. Couldn't use the Iron Claw while he was there, but we'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit later. Classic Vince McMahon. Put you, you know, take somebody like that who, you know, is a star from another promotion. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tie his hands behind his back, and if he can swim back to the top of the ocean, I might let him live. Exactly. Classic. And then uh, David was probably, the I would say, the best technician, best performer of the family. Like... There was not a hold that he didn't know. Like he was very, like, he was a very good technical wrestler mm-hmm. of the family. Yeah, David. David was, uh, you know, he didn't have the stature of uh, Kevin or or Kerry. I would, I mean, obviously Kerry had the, the the best physique, and then Kevin, and then David. Right. Uh, but David was probably the best on the mic. Yeah, uh, that's that was kind of his his flair. But yeah, he was also he was great. You know, being best on the mic, he was also able to sell really well. Yeah, and he was able to engage the crowd. So you know, D- David was uh, you know he he didn't have the work rate. I mean, yeah, he was a great worker too. But at the same time, like you know, he listen, he didn't he didn't have the. I know. Carrie had the Vince McMahon look. Right, exactly. Carrie had the look that Vince, you know, would salivate over, especially, you know, in the 80s and 90s. Right. Uh, but, Big, you know, muscle bound looking guys. David's are, the kind of guy who would have gotten over really well somewhere in like ECW in the 90s had de- he made it to the 90s. Definitely. Definitely. And then you have Kevin Von Erich, who I would say is the athlete. I mean, they, mm-hmm. these guys were all like very well built, like really jacked and everything, but Kevin was the athlete. He could do things. That not a lot of people could do. Well, I'll say this too. So Kevin, you know, he, he's he's the oldest brother in 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 the story. He's also the oldest brother in reality. Now there was a brother that came before him, and they deal right. with it in the in the movie that the old that the the oldest brother dies of, you know, uh, you know, just childhood. It, it was it was a, situation, so it was he, a drowning. Yeah, it was he, a drowning. He was electrocuted at first, but then he fell face first in the snow and drowned. Because of that, and so the so he you know they 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 mentioned early on in the movie that Kevin is even though he's the oldest he's not the firstborn right. Um, but I will say this in the movie, Zac Efron plays Kevin and he does a really good job of, of 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 playing this part and he actually does a really good job of lowering his voice to speak like Kevin Von Erich. Yeah, he Kevin does. Von Erich has has a very low voice. If you ever heard him in any he's, interview, he's very I won't say I won't say soft spoken, but he's very like. Mild with his conversation or with, yeah. where, with how he talks. But even one, today, but one thing I will say is there's got to be a little bit of creative justice here. Zac Efron gets so yoked for this role yeah. that he is clearly the Zac Efron is huge in this movie and he's clearly the most jacked of any of the actors in the movie. But don't let that fool you, Kevin Von Erich was not the most jacked of the Von Erichs. No. Carrie was Carrie definitely was, way yeah. more jacked. Uh, but I guess, you know, Jeremy Allen White couldn't get as jacked as Zac Efron. He's got to keep that uh, chef physique for the bear, <laughs> you know, because he's, you know, he's going to go back on FX and he can't be looking like uh, the, he can't be looking like a cook that can cut your head off. So. Exactly. But yeah. And then uh, 
so you have Carrie, David, and Kevin, and then you have the two younger brothers, uh, Mike and Chris, who Mike kind of had a little bit of a run in professional wrestling, Mike, Mike, but it yeah. wasn't very long. And then Chris had no run, uh, n- nothing really. Now he wasn't mentioned in the movie. No, Chris, is, not, Chris they, isn't mentioned in the movie because he, like you say, he he never he never really launches. At the end of the day, you know, if you go back and look in the history, Chris had a wrestling career. Purely because his last name was Von Eric. Exactly. I, I think he was like five six or five seven. Yeah. Um, Didn't I have think, really much. I think of the he size. had he had health issues growing up his whole life, so he was just one of you know his is a, it's a it's an untold sad story probably of a of a of the youngest brother who wanted to be like his brothers but could never keep up. Right. And so and that was a lot of pressure for both of them, both Mike and Chris. Yeah, I mean, trying that, to live up to that expectation that people had. For them because they were part of the Von Eric family. Yeah. But, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. But, uh, so they've been in wrestling for a while and they've been traveling all over. And so then the tragedies start to strike. And so, yeah, the, the have, Von Eric and, and Freebird rivalry puts them up so high in the wrestling world that the Sam Muchniks and the NWA heads can no longer ignore the Von Erics. They're over. And it's time to consider Avon Eric for the title. Exactly. And um, David gets the David gets the pull because he's the better talker. He's the he's the, he's the better you know what do you call it, sports entertainer. Yeah. And so David gets the pull, and they, you know, they decide, okay, we're going to put you with Ric Flair. We're going to put you in matches uh, with with top tier guys all over the country, and then we're going to send you to do a Japanese run in New Japan. Or um, or IWGP, yeah, and that's where things go off the rails. So, so uh, when uh, Fritz gets the call in the middle of the night, or uh, whoever it was, I can't remember the name of the promoter who. Uh, well, been, it would have been but, it would have been a Noki. Yeah, um, but yeah, David David was having issues before he traveled over to Japan. But it wasn't. I mean, they were probably exacerbated by wrestling. But the unfortunate fact of this is that this his injury was not really a wrestling in, injury. No, it was enteritis. It was, yeah, acute enteritis was basically your intestines ruptured, essentially. Yeah, and obviously wrestling could probably exacerbate something like that. But there's also a genetic proclivity towards it, so right. it's not like it, it. It wasn't a botched move. It wasn't you no. know. It wasn't. It's just unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. And so, of course, a lot of speculation went out in the media saying that he overdosed because most of the time whenever you hear someone dying in their hotel room, and especially in the professional wrestling world, it was speculated or assumed that it was because of overdose. But if you ever go back and watch uh, Dark Side of the Ring, uh, Bruiser Brody was actually the one who found mm-hmm. uh, David in his hotel room. And from the way he was positioned, I'm sorry if this sounds uh, – morbid to people, but it looked like he was reaching for the phone to try and either call someone or try and either call 911 or call his family or whichever, mm-hmm. but he found him reaching for the phone, and the news went out, and people were devastated. Yeah. The, I think the state of Texas was, I don't know if it came to a screeching halt, but I can remember seeing videos and clips of it from whenever we watched, whenever I watched Dark Side of the Ring. Well, if you go back were, and if you go and watch the movie... If, if you watch the movie, you'll see the memorial for David, and the streets are literally filled with people. There's thousands, thousands of, people. of people. Like four to 5,000 people and at the, least. The, those scenes are not artistically created. Those no. scenes are actually replicated from the actual memorial itself. There were more than 3,000 people in attendance for David's memorial. Like, like they had the to put standing- screens or like monitors outside the building for all the people that were lined up so yeah. that way they could hear what was going on or see what was going on. And so like it they these people were literally thought of as celebrities in the state of Texas. Like that's how much people admired them and loved them. And so when one Von Eric died, the entire state of Texas was devastated because of this. And so after David's death, Carrie would be the one to step in on David's behalf. And face Flair for the title, for the NWA title. And now you've got, you know, they'd already been building up Avon Eric to be potential NWA champion. Then you have David die. And so the stakes become even higher for the match that Kerry and Flair have. And it's, 
the 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 event itself sold out event tens of thousands of people uh, live in what is it the Texas Stadium yeah, or Texas uh, Stadium the Texas Stadium and you know Kerry wins. The NWA title from Ric Flair in Texas. I mean, it, I mean you couldn't write it. If you it. ever get a chance to go and watch this match, you need to go and watch it mm-hmm. because it will definitely hit you in your soul. Because knowing everything that you know now and then watching this match back, because mm-hmm. there were people all over that were like, if this title does not change hands, the state of Texas rioted. would have rioted. Yep. So they knew that this title was going to change hands, but they had no idea how much of a pop that this oh, yeah. was going to get. Like, well, go back and it, watch it. it. Yeah, not only was it, it was like it, it was like David winning the title, you know, from beyond the grave, but it was also the you know the first time in a long time that the NWA title was in was on a Texas wrestler, you know, and it was the first time that the NWA title was on a Texas wrestler in world class. Exactly. So I mean, it was a you know, it was a huge victory. Everybody. Was over the moon. They were, you know, people were still mourning David, but you know, it gave the family, it gave the fans something to be excited about again. Exactly. And but, then, yeah, but then, <laughs> but then things started to take a downward spiral from there. And the culprit of this was the introduction of Lance Von Eric, which in the movie you see like a short short snippet of it it like it didn't even really introduce him to where he had any uh lines or anything but you just briefly see him in the ring but lance and von eric was introduced and lance is not a member of the family this was somebody that they introduced and showed to people like hey this is a new von eric or this is uh it was a kayfabe von eric he wasn't an actual von eric but they were trying to bring you know bring in another character you know you're you're trying to replace an actual Von Eric, which I don't think they ever should have done. No, and, and, and Kevin was like, if you go back and listen or watch the episode of Dark Side of the Ring, Kevin was completely against it. Yeah, thought it would not work. Thought this was a terrible idea. And it was, and for good reason because the fans knew that this was not legitimate. They knew. They're like, why are you trying to shove this guy down our throat? He's not even really part of your family. And then later on, when they quote unquote disowned him, the, the fans were like, well, you're the ones that fed him to us. Why are you all of a sudden not liking this guy? Yeah. And so it was it, that I think that's that kind of speaks to the old promoter mentality versus, you know, in that time during the 80s, the kind of the changing of the guard of right. professional wrestling. Uh, as the 70s moved into the 80s and it's like you know the the sport was evolving and of course it continues to evolve to this day right um there are there are a lot of things that stay true you know through the annals of wrestling hit pro wrestling history but at the same time you know promoters that get too stuck in their ways or find one little magic rabbit in a hat and try to keep going to the same hat over and over and over again that's the problem of that booking yeah. is when you think this works, so this is going to continue to work, and I need this to work over and over instead of just moving on. And right, like trying to adapt or evolve with what the situation is that you have in front of yeah. you. And so then Lance didn't work out, so now they introduce one of the younger brothers, Mike. And so Mike was one of the younger brothers who, like we said, didn't really have the size and stature of his other brothers, well, like, let's not let's not skip over an event real quick here. Uh, after Kerry wins the the NWA title, oh yeah, 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 and yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. in the movie. It's like it's presented like it's like same day. Um, I don't believe that it's same day in the actual history, but between Kerry winning the title uh, and the next defense of the title, he gets involved in a drunk motorcycle accident, and you know, essentially they had to. Amputate part of his leg. Amputate part. He well, he lost. Well, his, he lost his, his foot. foot. Yeah, he lost his it foot. wasn't his leg. It was his foot. Um, yeah. And you know, they basically told him, "You're you know, you should never wrestle again. You you don't you don't have a foot. So how how are you going to do that? Right. Um, you're literally a one legged man in a butt kicking contest. So um, at that point, um, they they hide it. Oh like, yeah, like he Car- he made the family promise to not tell anybody. They Car- were all sworn to secrecy. Car- yeah, Carrie Von Eric. Crashes into a tree, goes to the hospital, gets his foot amputated. But because we're in Texas and this is world class and Fritz von Erich is who Fritz von Erich is, 
there are no medical reports or anything like that released. Obviously, you know, HIPAA and everything, but still, like, people did not know. No. Other than, like, the Von Erich family members only, people did not know that Kerry lost his foot in the accident. And people did not know that when he wrestled in WWF as the Texas Tornado, that he had no foot. Exactly. Which, um, and and you could look at it from different angles. Like you could kind of think that well, people knew they would have sympathy for him, and that he would kind of be like an inspiration for some people. That same well, if he, he knew, could do it, he would never had a career though. But yeah, exactly. During that time though, you, he would have been looked at as a liability or mm-hmm. someone that couldn't really do what he could do before. Yeah, that was now because of his injury. That was many many years before Zach Gowan. Exactly. Which, if you haven't, if you don't know who that is, go back and watch like early two thousands Friday Night SmackDown. Or don't. Either one. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, Carrie gets injured, but then they introduce uh, Mike. Yep. And so, and Mike, you know, they'd shown in the story, and they show in the movie that Mike doesn't really want to be a wrestler. No, he, in the movie, he's more of a musician. And so, they bring him into wrestling, they train him and everything. And like we said before, he doesn't really have the size and stature of Kevin and Carrie. He's kind of scrawny looking and so they've got him in these matches with these guys that are basically just carrying him throughout the entire match and then eventually Mike uh, dislocates his shoulder during a match and that's where his health kind of to kind of took a downward spiral so, or yeah, took a decline he, he's giving it so in the you know in the reality he's giving a drop kick and he he lands on his shoulder incorrectly dislocates his shoulder really not that big of an injury uh, kind of, I mean, think about separating your shoulder. Finn Balor separated his shoulder in, at SummerSlam. Was it twenty? Was that twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen? Uh, I'd say twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty fifteen. So, somewhere so around SummerSlam. There. Let's call it twenty fifteen. SummerSlam twenty fifteen. Finn Balor separates his shoulder. Continues to wrestle for like I don't know another thirty minutes with Seth Rollins and wins the title. And wins the title. So I mean, dislocated shoulders in wrestling they happen all the time, but. You know, this is and this is where the whole idea of like the Von Eric curse comes is that, you know, you've got, you know, David dies of enteritis. Jack Jr. dies of getting electrocuted and then drowning. And then now you've got uh, Mike goes in for routine shoulder surgery and, and goes into toxic him. shocks. Has experiences toxic shock syndrome and spikes like 108, 109 fevers. Which, for those of you who don't know medically, 108, 109 is where you you're gonna have some kind of a brain damage. Right. Um, like those sustained temperatures are your body. Is, so the you know if if you go back and watch the dark side of the ring, they they tell the really good story of how everybody was praying for Mike to make it, and he does make it. But after something like that, he is not the same. No. And you kind of see it. And if you go back and watch the interview or the press conference that they had whenever they were talking about Mike making his return, you can tell that his speech is a little Mm -hmm. slurred. Something like things are not really coherent or he's not really making sense. Yeah. And so if you go back and watch that press conference or watch that interview that he had, it definitely shows that he received some type of – brain injury or some type of uh well, there's there was definitely brain damage and say at that point he was working with not a full deck exactly and so then he goes back in the scene and then from there he's still just going on a downward downward spiral he's kind of depressed dealing with uh not living up to expectations of people that he's one of the von erics and so eventually he commits suicide by overdose he, I think, in the episode of Dark Side of the Ring, he uh, goes out to his dad's ranch, and then just goes out into a field somewhere, and then yeah, he they overdoses find him on yeah, he overdoses on pills, goes out, and you know, basically goes to sleep and doesn't wake up. Right. Um, and you know, that's it's all of this is continuing to the the line of these boys who are trying to live up to a a father's expectation and desire to live vicariously through his sons for the success he was not able to achieve in his own life. Um, which is just, it's devastating because they say at the end of the day, they're so, you know, as you're watching the movie too, they, they do a really good job. There, there's just so many moments where you can see it's like, if this happened, 
this way. Or if, if this didn't happen right here, everything would have been okay. Right. Exactly. You know, like this person would have been fine. This person would have been fine. Um, and, you know, and I think that's like the journey that Kevin goes through in this picture. Cause as you're watching this, this is definitely, this is the Kevin Von Erich story. You know, it's called Iron Claw and it's the story of the Von Erichs, but obviously the only living son of Fritz Von Erich, Kevin Von Erich, this is his, this is his story to tell. And so it is, it's, it's told through his eyes and, you know, you can definitely tell that Kevin, you know, who, who obviously worked in the writing and the production of this very much puts in these moments where I think he, he, he's probably held on to a lot of guilt in his life and hopefully, you know, and obviously you can tell that he, you know, through other interviews that he's been able to let that go and realize right. that he had no real control over any of those situations. Exactly. But, um, you know, you can go back into past interviews and things and hear about him saying this and that, like, you know, had I done this, maybe things would have been different. Maybe things would have been better. Like had I been a better talker, David never would have been in Japan. Um, and, and there's a lot of like, should have, would have, could have, but in the end, like it all happened, and he he couldn't, he, like he can't blame himself for that. No, like, he, he can't. He got like they all had unrealistic. I would, well, I wouldn't say unrealistic in a sense, but you know what I mean, like just a father trying to live vicariously, like you said, through his sons and trying to set expectations for them that when they didn't meet them or they didn't quite live up to it, then it was met with a lot of uh, negative comments and a mm. lot of uh, just hateful words and everything but so and then after mike passes chris the youngest joins on the scene and the movie does not mention him at all so if you're looking for this in the movie they're not gonna see it you're not gonna see chris uh chris joins the scene and it's pretty much the same situation with mike he's not really well built like his other brother he's like what five seven five six or hey, so. yeah, he's he's, he's short. got a lot of health complications i think he had asthma Mm -hmm. and a few other things as well and so he joins the scene and breaks his arm during a match and then from there he just became so depressed and then and they also touched on this in the uh episode of dark side of the ring and i'm glad you mentioned about how uh kevin was saying like i wish i'd have done this i wish i'd done that so he goes over to chris's place where he's staying at and chris is depressed he's uh saying that he's going to kill himself and everything and then kevin goes like, don't you do anything crazy. Like, I'm going to go. Like, are you going to be okay? He's like, yeah, I'll be fine. I'm not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. Then as soon as he leaves, he goes back to his dad's uh, house. And he asked, I think in the episode, he asked the question, like, does Chris you normally write suicide notes? And then his dad goes, get up there now. He goes back up there, and it's already too late. He sees Chris laying on the floor, gunshot to the head, and he commits suicide. Yeah. And then from there... We go to Carrie, and well, again, yeah, Carrie's story, you know, takes a little more time. You know, the the Mike and David thing happens pretty quickly. Uh, you, you know, well, Mike, David, and Chris, it's it's in kind of a closer period of time, and then of course with Carrie, you know, he he's he's recovering from an amputated foot, and people, you know, let's say people who aren't named Von Eric didn't know and so he gets a prosthetic made and he starts training again because the kind of athlete that he is and just the way that he pushes himself he's able to get back in the ring and and do it very very well on one foot problem about being on one foot in a prosthetic though you're doing a lot of jumping around you're doing a, you know you're you're lifting a lot of weight and you're you're putting a stub which has a lot of nerve endings in it on a lot of you know, of weight that's not distributed the way that it's 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 supposed to be distributed. So as Carrie is wrestling, he is continuing to put tremendous amount of stress on his knee joints, his hip joints, uh, you know, his back and everything like that. And so as he is wrestling, he is just continuing to overfill his bump card and just trying to fight through the pain like many wrestlers of his time because of that he turns to pain pills and to steroids and things like that you know and, and i was i explained this to somebody the other day too because everybody was talking about steroids and just you know using steroids to get big and to be jacked up um don't ever forget that steroids are prescribed on a daily basis to heal right you know the reason like you know when you take an asthma inhaler 
or a steroid when you have an infection or something like that it's to heal you and so a lot of these the steroids not you know i think there was a you know they were initially a healing medicine and then they realized oh this has the side effect of helping me get really ripped as well right. and so then people start just abusing that but then yes yeah, so people are abusing that but you know sale he's using steroids and painkillers not and i would say you know obviously there's probably some euphoric effects but I would I would say that most of these guys that end up getting hooked on this, it, it doesn't start as chasing the dragon or, 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 or you know trying to get that high. It's just trying to make the next show. Exactly. And so Carrie is taking pills every day, and he's doing steroids just so that he can make the next show, so that he can you know go and do whatever he needs to do to make a living for himself, to make his family proud, is what he thinks that he needs to do. Right. And so, and with all that pressure amounted on him, and trying to fight through the pain of this injury that he has, it basically just drives him to the point where, in the, in the movie, they show it as well. I mean, they don't show what actually happened, but yeah, they show where he drives out to his dad's ranch and takes the uh, forty-four that he gave his dad for Christmas and basically shoots himself in the heart. Yeah. And, and you know they don't really let's say they don't they don't mention that you know they, they obviously make it apparent in the movie that Kevin is very mad with his dad because he told his dad to not to let not her. to let Carrie be by himself. But you know as if you if you go back and watch Dark Side of the Ring and you know you know the story, the thing that blows my mind as a father is you've got two sons that kill that have killed themselves. Three actually at that time. No, you've got well, Mike. You had David. Well, no, yeah, no, David, David, had, David, David, didn't, David, kill, David, David did, didn't kill himself. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, Mike, my bad. Mike kills himself, and Chris kills himself, and Chris kills himself with a gun. I'm sorry, and I'm a, I'm a I'm a pro gun guy. Yeah, but if my kids, if I had a kid kill himself with a gun, all my guns would never ever ever be out on display. Same. They would be under lock and key that only I own the key to, like. You know, I think that's just good gun safety, period. But I'm not going to get into that. But right. at the end of the day, like you get a kid who kills himself with a gun, why you would ever have guns openly available in your house ever again? Kind of, I mean, like one of the things to say, just through the stories that it speaks to, is just the the this this family did not. It's like they valued they valued the fame of the Von Erich name more than they valued their own children. Which and, is sad. And that's what led to the demise of, of their family in the first place. Exactly. So then these three brothers all die of unfortunate circumstances, three by suicide and then one by enteritis. enteritis. So then Carrie is pretty much the only one left. The only no, Kevin. Yeah, or sorry, uh, Kevin. Yeah, my bad. So Kevin is the only one left. And one of the things that I wish that they had put in the movie because it's like very sad and very scary to think of. Was, uh, they talked about the story because I think uh, his two sons, Ross and Marshall, were behind the camera like asking him to tell these stories. But they asked him to tell a story about uh, when Grandpa or Fritz pulled the gun on him. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this doesn't t uh, show up in the movie, but they talk about it in Dark Side of the Ring. Um, Fritz ha had developed brain cancer over time and I think, that, I think this is when him and Doris split or they weren't together anymore Yeah. but Fritz had uh, brain cancer and it was just messing with him and just deteriorating with him and Kevin walks in and Fritz has a gun pointed at Kevin and he makes the statement and says you'd kill yourself too if you had the guts and just hearing like, Kevin tell this story or talk about that I can only imagine what was going through Kevin's mind or what he was feeling or what was thinking. But Kevin was like, I'm not going to let brain cancer take me out of this world. Because no. he, he said to his dad, "Like it takes more guts to live. And he kept yelling at his dad, stop pointing the gun at me. Stop pointing the gun at me. And basically just bolted out of the house before he could do anything. Yeah. And then so, I mean, yeah. The, so the next the next steps is, as, as the time goes on in, in the, the story of the Von Erichs is that as, as Fritz... Uh, is getting older and his health is declining and things like that. Um, and you know, you take you, you put in the real the, the context. They don't speak to it, but if you're a wrestling fan, you know the re, the territories are drying up. 
WCCW is, you know, by by the, the late 80s, early 90s, WCCW is a shell of its former self. You know, they've still got people coming in and out, but they're not making nearly the money they used to because, you know, and, and you know, a little thing called WrestleMania happened in 1984, and uh, it made the WWF a worldwide name and got worldwide syndication and gave the money and the ability for Vince McMahon to go around and buy out territories and buy out talent and create a super promotion that the rest of the guys couldn't compete with. And so it comes to the point where, you know, different promoters are looking to try to buy out other promoters and try to compete with Vince, at least, uh, you know, in some small degree. And that brings in Jerry Jarrett, father of Double J, Double double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett. J-E, double F, J-A, double R, E, double T. Ain't he great? <laughs> but uh, you know Jerry Jarrett comes in and he he you know basically extends a lifeline to the Von Erich family, um, and you know Kevin selling WCCW to Memphis and to Jerry Jarrett, um, that's pretty much the nail in the coffin of his relationship with his father. Exactly. Um, you know, so go you know once again going to show that the promotion was more important than your own kids. So you know Fritz Eric, you know. Fritz von Erich, Jake Atkinson, you know, not nice to speak ill of the dead, but uh, not a not a good person. Um, and you know, his his son's bloods was very was very much on his own hands. Agreed. So uh, you know, the, the movie is is very tragic in nature, but uh, the the way that it ends is is, is very beautiful. Um, and you know, it, it speaks very much to how Kevin talks in many, a lot of his interviews of how he's been able to move on from the tragedy of losing basically everybody in his family and, you know, to see the good in life and to be able to value life and to move forward and move on. And I think that message is, you know, that's paramount to the, to the whole, to, to everything that the story tells is, you know, the, there, there are always choices and, you know, the, the choice to value life and the choice to value yourself um, and not let anybody else uh, determine your value. That's that's the key, you know. You, there, exactly. there, there's, you know, we, and I won't say it, but there's there's a moment in the movie where, you know, where Kevin is struggling with, you know, thinking that he's cursed and that, you know, everything he touches is going to turn to death, and you know, he has this moment, and it's a moment of clarity. And I say, you know, it's the moment where he realizes that he's not cursed, that that he's that he's got to make choices, and that his choices will determine his life and the life of his family exactly so uh you know it's a fantastic movie zach efron does an amazing job uh portraying the emotion and but still being kevin von eric you know who is a a short-spoken guy he's not a great orator right um i think the the thing that really because if you haven't gone to see the movie or if you're going to the ending i'm not ashamed to say like i'm a grown man Bald like a little baby. Oh yeah, no. We're not going to spoil it for you because it'll definitely tug at your heartstrings. Yeah. Because I, I know they also talk about in Dark Side of the Ring because Kevin makes the uh, statement where he says the thing that got me the most where he he says I used to be a brother but now I'm not anymore. But whenever he's got his two sons Ross and Marshall with him, they have a little moment at the end and it's it, it's like I said it tugs at your heartstrings and it's amazing just to see him come to that realization that you know it's like you said it's about choices it's not about a curse it's not about bad luck or anything it's all about choices yeah and so it's great to see now because uh his two sons ross and marshall are the ones that are pretty much carrying out the legacy and still wrestling and st- doing a phenomenal job mm-hmm. um i think the first time i got to see them wrestle was actually when they were part of uh impact at the time mm-hmm. and of course uh i think it was like a father's day episode or, or it was around father's day but of course kevin bonnet was in the audience and it was uh ross and marshall going up against uh jesse uh goddard i think jesse goddard okay and then uh djz or uh as he is in wwe right now um joaquin, joaquin wild. wild but yeah then of course you see the moment where kevin jumps in the ring puts the iron claw on djz and so just to see his two sons living out the legacy, and of course now you see Marshall's the one who wrestles barefoot like his dad. Mm-hmm. And but, they uh, they actually had a tag team match on uh, AEW. Just uh, I guess not maybe not last Dynamite, but maybe the Dynamite before. Right, and now uh, they're wrestling with Ring of Honor. Yep. And so 
it's great to see that his sons are carrying out the legacy and that he, Kevin's living this amazing life now. And if, like we said before, you've got to go check this movie out. Chavo Guerrero was the uh, wrestling uh, stunt coordinator of this, and I think he did a phenomenal job. Yes, he did. A, he did a very good job. Um, my only critique, and I'm going to say it very succinctly, and if you want to move on, we can move on. Okay. But to, whoever they got to play Ric Flair, you done messed up, A.A. Ron. Yeah. That was the that worst was no Ric Flair. Flair impersonator I have ever seen in my Like, where was my call? Exactly. I can do a better woo than that guy. Woo! Like, yeah. come on. It's we all woo! Yeah. This guy goes, woo! It was like surfer dude kind of woo. Like, woo! Woo! Like, no. Yeah, yeah. if Ric Flair was a bleach blonde Californian... Yeah, and uh, they take a great Ric Flair promotion. You know, the I wear, is it my fault that I wear alligator shoes? Is it my fault that I look this good? Is it my fault that I'm. They take a great promote. You take one of Ric Flair's, you know, you know. Just best promos, and you make it dog crap. Exactly. And uh, let that be a lesson to the actors or to the world that just because the words are written down for you doesn't mean you can deliver the line correctly. Exactly. Um, You've got to portray the character. Great movie, terrible Ric Flair. Yeah, 100%. All right, John, you ready for some reviews? Let's do it. All right. So, high spots this week. You know, going through, I put down quite a few hot spots. High spots. What am I saying? Hot spots before? I don't know. You but, had a lot of high spots? Yeah, a lot of high spots. But, Somebody else is going to California. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it was tough for me to try and pick one because I didn't want to go with the obvious that we mentioned before. Of course, the rock promo was absolutely awesome. Well, we're not supposed def- to go with the obvious crap. Well, I, I, I didn't want to go with the obvious. I mean, you're more than welcome to pick that one for yours if that's what yours is. But I didn't want to go with the obvious one. So... I put down a few on here. The one that I thought was pretty interesting was the return of AOP. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was a good return, and uh, you know the the return of AOP with Carrion Cross. It's a good looking faction. That, if they do it right, I, I, if they I'm do it in. right, if they do it right, it, this has the potential to be probably one of the greatest like three person groups. In a while, well, like, it, could it, dominate. It, it makes you think. Okay, if the bloodline is coming to an end, who's going to be the next dominant faction on SmackDown? Sign me up for some carrying cross and AOP. Because um, I, I mean, mean, you got Scarlett uh, Bordeaux at ringside, and then now you have Paul Elring. Pretty Paul. Gosh, I like, mean, seeing him beside Carrying Cross and Scarlett, I was like. It's happening. It, it's happening. <laughs> but yeah. I can see you in your room. Yeah. I was like, yes. Poor Maddie. <laughs> hey, she, you know, she loves seeing me react to it. Right on, right on. But uh, another one that I thought was interesting was the, uh, in, uh, not Impact, what am I talking about? Uh, the AEW debut of the Virtuosa Diana Perrazzo. I, I was actually a big fan of this, and I think that uh, if you go on the the dirt sheets right now, you're going to read a lot of mixed reviews of her of her debut, um, and you're going to hear some people talk about how she was stumbling over her lines. You, you know what I loved? I, so if you were watching it, you could see why she was stumbling over her lines. She was holding back tears. Exactly, like she's in her home. She's in. Yeah, she's debuting so, in her hometown. You know, on. A televised product, and yeah, she's been on televised products before. I mean, she's been on AEW before. She's been on NXT. She's been on um, in Ring of Honor. She's been. I mean, she's she. This is not a new girl by any means. She is well seasoned, uh, multi time women's world champion. She is the virtuosa. She's fantastic. But this moment, you could tell, just meant a whole lot to her to debut in New Jersey, and I mean, to come out to the fanfare that she came out to and the crowd behind I mean, her. It's, it's understandable. I mean, let her be a human for for goodness' sake. I mean, she was, you know, she has to sit there and take it in in that moment. You know, you, as a human being, you know, you only get so many moments. I mean, 
some of us never get moments like that. Exactly. Um, So she's taking it in and she's delivering her lines. But, you know, I liked that. I liked the humanity. I I like somebody who, you know, is emotional. And you look at a lot of wrestlers, uh, you know, some of the best wrestlers of all time are the people who are emotional and, and, and take the moment that they're in for what it is. Exactly. I mean, Ric Flair alone is probably one of the most emotional rest, you know, professional wrestlers of all time. And he cries like a baby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Deanna coming back was, was, uh, or debuting and, and, and declaring herself all elite is fantastic. Um, you know, and some people were disappointed because it wasn't Sasha. Well, here's my thing with that. Like, honestly, I think if the money's right, Sasha will go back to WWE. I think Sasha will go and back I to WWE if the money is right. I think it's very highly likely that we see her debut at the Royal Rumble. But here's my thing, and this is a hot take: Sasha Banks isn't worth the money. No, she's not. I, I agree because. Even if she does go back to WWE and say she either comes close or wins the Royal Rumble, like why would you put something in the way of having Jade Cargill come on the scene and then make a huge impact with her debut in the Royal Rumble? Absolutely. I mean, like I mean, Jade Cargill is definitely not at the work rate of a Sasha Banks right now. No, but she looks fantastic. She talks very well on the mic. And what, you know, in, in less than... There's in, just one line that she'll have to cut, but, you know... But I'm just saying, like, even when she was in AEW, like, within one to two years of, of, of training and being in the business, she's very fluid in the ring. Absolutely. And being a bigger girl, she doesn't need to be, you know, a cruiserweight that bops and, you know, flies all over the ring. Right. But let me just ask... the I'll ask the question. Did WWE miss a beat when Sasha left? No. Like they kept going like, on because I mean th- that's the thing about WWE is that there's always th- there's always you. yeah there's always somebody that they can put ahead and there's always someone that they can push regardless of if one of their top people leaves because I mean well like you take if, I mean you take I mean that and that is true but it's like you know like, like let's look at this through you know the lens of of a couple different people like you know you you couldn't replace a Stone Cold you you can't replace a Rock right and anytime they come back. They don't have to do anything but show up, and they're going to get screamed and yelled. Same thing with the John Cena. You can create a new star, but you can't create a new character that is beloved by the people that they associate with. Right. And you, you know, if if you look at you know all the a lot of wrestlers you know who have left, like an Edge. Edge leaves. And had Edge not been gone already for ten years, it would have. I mean, had, like, we're talking like if we were talking like 2010 Edge leaving and going to another promotion, that would have left a huge hole. Oh, 100 in the WWE. When CM Punk left, it left a huge hole in the WWE. When Daniel, you know, once again, Daniel Bryan had Daniel Bryan not been gone and only had just come back before he left again, it would have left a huge hole in the WWE. When Sasha Banks left. It left no. It left a small hole. Right. And this, the hole was, it was very filled, easily like filled. What, a couple months or so, or it's, a few months. You know, people can sit there and talk about how great Sasha is and what a great worker is, or what worker she is, and how she's always had to play second fiddle to Charlotte and Becky because of backstage politics. No, she she plays second fiddle to Charlotte and Becky because she doesn't make the fans feel. The way that Charlotte and Becky make the fans feel. Right. You know, Charlotte, whether she's a heel or a face, can connect with the crowd and can deliver fantastic matches. Yeah, Sasha Banks can deliver fantastic matches, but she never makes, like, and, and she's the boss, but she never makes you, like, I never connected with Sasha. I never felt bad for Sasha. Right. You know, even when she was a heel, I didn't really care about Sasha winning or losing. You know, I, I don't like. You know, sometimes I think people decide that something sucks, so they're gonna they're gonna want that to be good because right. just they it's like a it's like a manipulation. Like we want you to push the thing that sucks so that we can feel validated that we have control. Exactly. Sorry, you don't have control. She sucks. She's not that great. She's a great worker, fine, but she's not worth a million dollars. Exactly. And if the WWE pays her a million dollars. I would really like to see them get the ROI on that. I don't think yeah, it's there. It's not there. No, for sure. But yeah, and then of course the obvious high spot is the rock promo. I mean, 
Oh, absolutely. Hopefully, and I think it's going to so happen. So this is, yeah, this is when we need to talk. This, yeah. is, this is where we need to get to talk about. So right. everybody's been talking about it since Monday. Since Monday, it's all, well, what about Cody? Is Cody not going to finish the story? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, The Rock coming back and saying that he might want a spot at the head of the table is absolutely a tip of the cap that there's going to be some kind of a match between The Rock and Roman. We've been waiting for that for like three years. Absolutely. But here's the thing I don't like. As I read these dirt sheets, it's like here's this thing that that kind of gets under my crawl. And maybe I'm an idiot here. Maybe. Um, you said it, not me. Why do people think The Rock's winning? Well, here's the thing. I don't think he's going to win the title. I think he, exactly. He, I don't think he's going to win the title. I think he's going to cause Roman to lose it, whether it's at the Royal Rumble or whether it's at Elimination Chamber or wherever. But mm-hmm. the match is going to happen at WrestleMania. I'm convinced it's going to be WrestleMania. Okay, and I definitely think that uh, you know a match the caliber of The Rock versus Roman Reigns needs to be at WrestleMania. Like that's your night. But, well, that's your night one main event. But it doesn't need to be for the title. No, it doesn't. And that's the, everybody's thinking. Oh well, you know, you know, Roman's. Roman's gonna, you know, fight the Rock and beat the, you know, or he's gonna fight Cody and beat Cody and then face the Rock at SummerSlam. No, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do the Rock and, and Roman at SummerSlam. No, um, and you're not it gonna could have work, but it's it, not. It's that's a WrestleMania match. But you're and it's like, and Triple H is a smart enough guy. You're not gonna put the strap on a guy who's barely even part time. I mean, he's once a year at best. Right. I mean, he's got a very busy schedule with all his acting, and he's got the XFL-USFL merger that's coming up right now. There's no way he's Which taking Which I'm super a- excited about, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited about it, too. I, I, last year, I kept saying over and over, I was like, why are we having two minor leagues? Why? why Just put them together. All, all, all for one. Like, it makes a better Go product. Stallions, by the way. <laughs> gotta, gotta give a shout out to my home t- home state of Alabama. So yep, yeah. Well, that's the only football team you can cheer for uh, for the rest of the while here. Your boys couldn't get it done against the Big Ten team. Losers. I'm telling you, Georgia should have been in that playoff, and so should Florida. I mean, Florida State would have gotten destroyed just like we destroyed them, sixty three to three. But at the end of the day, um, both both teams that the college football playoff decided to put in instead of the more deserving teams lost in the semis. And it just goes to show that those uh, CFP board members had their head up their keisters. Exactly. But back to the point, yeah, The anyway. Rock does not beat Roman Reigns for the title. For the title. No. And the thing is, if, if Roman is going to continue doing this, why would that ever make sense? It doesn't. You, you give a guy the most historic title run in the last 30 years of, of the business – and you're going to have him lose for a one-off? No. No. So at the end of the day, yeah, you take the title off of Roman. And if you see what happened on SmackDown here with that no contest, and we're going to, which by the way, that's my that's my botch. Uh, oh really? Is the, because it's oh a, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a stoppage on a no disqualification match. So like, it, it'd be one thing if they like had said something at the beginning. You know, there is disqualification, but for like I don't know the last decade, triple threat matches and uh, fatal four ways don't have disqualification. See, and my botch for that is different from that. Like that's part of it, but the other one is that Nick Aldis didn't get on the mic and say, "Well, congratulations, now you have a fatal four way at the yeah, Royal Rumble." Like the, the pop that he would have gotten from that would have been incredible. Yeah, honestly Smackdown as a whole was kind of a botch. It was it was not a not a not a great Smackdown. Yeah. Um but no, say they so they're doing this, they did it poorly, poorly executed, but you 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 basically have a situation where Roman can lose the title without being pinned. Right. So come Royal Rumble, you've got an opportunity for for Roman to lose the title without being pinned and then you know, either go up against somebody and try to win the title, and then he's distracted by The Rock, and then you you've got The Rock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. The only thing I have a that, that I have a problem with on that, and maybe they'll they'll shift it a little bit, is you know I, I figured they were going to work towards like a tribal combat between Jay and Jimmy. But that you, would be good. But you can't have but, yeah. you can't have two tribal combats in one WrestleMania. No. So maybe they're going to wait on Jimmy and Jay maybe for a little the, maybe while. Maybe the Rock and Roman's not going to be tribal combat. Maybe. I mean, if no. he's going to sit at the head of the table, wouldn't you think it would have to be? 
Maybe, but they might have some kind of different angle that they might do with it. But we're, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, we're, we're armchair booking at this point. But exactly. at, the, at the end of the day, yeah, anybody who thinks that The Rock is going to beat Roman Reigns for the title at WrestleMania doesn't understand how the business works. I'm exactly. sorry. Yeah, um, it's not going to happen. But Cody is Cody's going to finish the story. My guess is he finishes the story with Randy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that I mean, and a lot of people say that, and we've seen th- things on the dirt sheets of how people will think the booking is going to go with uh, Roman and The Rock facing each other, and then you got uh, Randy Orton and Cody Rhodes for the uh, Universal title or the Undisputed WWE Championship, whatever they call it. And the names change so much that I can't even keep up with it. Uh, let me, let me do my let me do my Paul Heyman, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Paul Heyman. I am the advocate for the reigning, defending, undisputed, undisputed Universal Heavyweight Champion Roman Reigns. Yeah, that's what it is. And so, and then you have CM Punk and Seth Rollins. That's going to be WrestleMania. One hundred percent. See, yeah, CM Punk versus Seth Rollins. That's uh, night one. And then if you have if you have Rock and Roman, that's that's your main event. Yeah. Um, sorry, you know, sorry, Cody, you'll finish the story. I don't know that you'll finish the story on the main event. Maybe that one will be the main event for night one. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. I guess it could be the main event for night one, but then that means that CM Punk once again does not main event WrestleMania, and it's very possible that that happens, and that's Triple H's just little way of you know giving CM Punk uh, uh, an inch, but not giving him the the full foot. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then I'm not really gonna go in my botches that much. It was just like little things here and there. But one of my botches was uh, the Daniel Garcia sharpshooter that he attempted on the announce desk. Where they both slipped off, <laughs> and so yeah. I was like, "It would have been good if the I don't know if the announce desk was not sturdy enough because usually AEW's announce desks are very sturdy. Like you can't break them like WWE's. Desk. Yeah, no, I've seen the you know they power bombed a guy on there before and it didn't budge. Right. Um. So, I, you know, prop, you know, prop error. Yeah. And then the other one I had was uh, Nia Jax's powerbomb, where she tried to do a sit-out powerbomb, but eventually she uh, initially she sat down, but didn't slam uh, Becky down at the same time. So it was pretty much just sit down and then boom. And you can see Becky bounce her head off the back of the canvas. So, the- yeah, that's a botch in the sense that it, um, it was on camera and it was obvious that the move was protected. But I actually was watching that, and I smiled... Because that's the first time I've ever seen Nia Jax protect the person she's in the ring with. I, I like, don't know. She takes she takes the she takes it correctly. She just doesn't time it right. right. At the end of the day, she's doing the sit out power bomb, and she's supposed to hit her butt first. She's supposed to to pause the momentum. You know, her hitting her butt first allows her to regain control of of the momentum, and so it's not just gravity and complete control at that point. And so that is her being able to pull back on the move at the last second and have it be a little bit easier on Becky Lynch. Right. I mean, maybe that's just me being hard on Nia Jax every single week. As I no, no, am, that's, so. uh, you know, be, be hard on Nia Jax. I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm not changing my opinion on Nia Jax by any means. But it's funny that, like, you know, you, you see that and, and you are, you're totally entitled to your opinion about the botch because it is a botch. It was... It wasn't time right, and it showed. You know, it's like a, it's like a kick that doesn't land. Right. You know, it it doesn't make the business look good when you see something like that. But at the end of the day, no one got hurt, and the fact that Nia at that moment, yeah, because eventually she actually does bust bust her nose open. But well, I think that was intentional. Oh yeah, I mean it was. That but. was intentional, and that was also. I mean, when's the last time you saw anybody get color on a WWE Raw? It's not very often. Like that. At te- all. That tells me that you know Vince is gone. Kevin Dunn, Hallelujah, is also gone. Yes. And you know you've got KO, the the company that that is the UFC, WWE. You know they're probably wanting the product to you know be Have more a realistic. More Have a little bit more of an edge. And so there you go. You got Becky Lynch. I mean, whether it was a hard way or, you know, she, you know, I, I don't know how you bleed out the nose other than, a, you know, just take a tap. So yeah. I mean, I'd say a hard way. But color, color nonetheless on WWE in the first time in a long time and, and I think is intentional color. Yeah. So, um, no, I don't like I mean, I'm here like, for it. I didn't like the match. It was still clunky. Nia Jax is still the worst wrestler in uh, WWE. Um, but the fact that she actually, you know, 
protected Becky on a powerbomb, maybe she's learning. Maybe she can be taught. Hopefully. But anyway, guys, that's our episode, the first episode of Season 2 and our first video episode on here. So like we always say, thank you guys for listening. Go and check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and we've got our YouTube channel. There will be more segments that will be coming up, and we'll have more to talk about in future episodes. Put it away. That's not happening. But it's Season 2. Still not going to happen. Put it away. You and Derek can do that all day long. We will. I will not be. Live. I will not be participating in that. But also, we want to mention a couple things for you guys. We have some upcoming events that we're going to be at. DCCW, February 10th. Breaking Down the Walls is the name of the event. If you're in the area, McClinney, Florida, it's going to be at the Baker County Fairgrounds. February 10th. Go check it out. We will be doing live commentary there. We're excited to get to see all the guys there, all of our favorite wrestlers and everything, and hopefully meeting some new people while we're there. Another one I want to make mention of is a little bit further away, but March 2nd, NWA, for the first time in probably over 10 years or so, over a decade, is going to be doing a televised event, NWA Hard Times, March Hard 2nd, times. March 2nd, Dothan, Alabama, at the Dothan Civic Center. If information on that, you can message us or you can message our friend Justin Overstreet, who we had on the podcast about maybe a few episodes ago or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Justin but, Overstreet. You can see him as Justin Overstreet on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, you can reach out to us and reach out to Justin uh, yeah, or like reach said, out directly. We'll, we'll put it on our social media so that way all of you guys can uh, go and check it out. But like we always say, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for doing all that you do for us. But as always... Keep it five stars. <laughs>